This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan along with you for the first time in a while. I believe the, the last episode was the interview that I conducted with Dohung Park. Matt, you wanted to be there, but uh, there was a, there was something that was a little more important than our podcast. Hard to believe, I know. But uh, you almost had a, your daughter that night. That didn't happen, but shortly after you did. Yes, we had a uh, emergency visit to the hospital uh, that night with my wife. Uh, and our daughter wasn't quite ready to come, but uh, she come to, came uh, into this world a few days uh, later. And we've uh, been on hiatus uh, as I've uh, gotten to know her and uh, helped uh, learn the, the uh, everything that you need to do in this world. So it's kept, <laughs> uh, kept me busy, but uh, it's good to be back uh talking sports on the podcast yeah and this is actually the uh first time we are recording this podcast sitting next to each other on a couch here uh we've been doing most of these over zoom so this is very nice as well that's another reason this episode is big we also had a big delay you know matt was uh matt was learning how to be a dad and i was taking law school final exams so uh, that didn't take quite as much time as, and sleep deprivation as as Matt had, but it did take a lot as well. So we kind of had the the confluence of, uh, of factors running together, and uh, that accounted for our long delay. But hopefully, the next uh, podcast there won't be as much of a delay between those things. This might be the first and only time we record this next to each other because uh, I could see it getting a little more heated. It could. Uh, you're within. Uh, arm's length if i feel like <laughs> slapping you on the back of the head for uh, one of your hot takes but yeah. so we'll see how it goes <laughs> we will get right into it with uh the minnesota twins uh the minnesota twins the first place minnesota twins um not sure that many thought that that would be the case at uh we're recording here on may 19th it'll be released uh maybe shortly after in a few days but uh but they they're in first right now and they're playing they're playing good baseball yet interestingly it seems like there's a lot of anger going on at least on on twins twitter because of some things that have happened over the past week or even few days or so beginning with Byron Buxton and that's where we can start and then we'll get into the Royce Lewis conversation as well cuz that is very controversial uh, but first, Byron Buxton, there's always something with him. Uh, he's playing great when he's played, uh, but he has missed a substantial portion of games yet again, despite not being on the injured list at all. And then we come to find out there was a situation last weekend in the Saturday game. It went into extra innings. Buxton got a planned day off as a starter. Little did we know he wasn't even available as a pinch hitter. And late in the game, you had rookie Jose Miranda, who's really struggling right now, I think will be a good player, but is struggling mightily at the plate. You had him bat in extra innings. And Nick Gordon, also not the most accomplished hitter, uh, strikeout to end the game. No pinch hitting of Buxton. They lose that game. And then after the game, uh, Rocco Baldelli says, well, once we plan to give Buxton the day off pregame, we're not going to adjust that plan during the game. That was a little controversial. Then uh, we later 
find out that the Twins were targeting around 100 games or so. I think that got taken out of context a little bit. But that's it's been a PR disaster, to put it quite frankly, because it seemed like, to a lot of people who didn't dig into the context of the quotes from Buxton himself and Derek Falvey, that they're shooting for 100 games. I think that was a little misread, but but what do you make of the whole situation? I Well, first I would say I didn't know. Uh, it, it seems like Twins Twitter is trying to do its best Vikings Twitter yeah. impersonation, not quite getting to that level, thankfully. Uh, but you know what? I think it's always hard to evaluate these in the moment accurately, you know, because the reality is, is we can disagree with it at the time. But if the Twins win the division and make the playoffs and have a healthy Byron Buxton, who has been playing at an MVP level because he needed to rest a little bit, and they go and they break their losing streak in the playoffs, or God forbid, you know, somehow win the World Series, no one's going to look back on this and, and question what Rocco said. So we are looking at it, you know, just in the here and now. And, you know, I think the 100 games thing was a little bit, I do think it was taken out of context a little bit weird. I don't like the idea that you can't adapt to what's going on in a game. However, I don't, I, I, I do think that they have a plan. They're trying to work the plan to keep Byron healthy. And if that allows him to play a lot more games this year because he doesn't get injured and, and, and miss half the season then kudos to them because they've made that investment. He is an MVP caliber player. Uh, the, I, I think the team does so much better, not only with him in the lineup, but you know, being active in the clubhouse. You're hearing all the positivity that Correa is saying about this team. There is something different about the clubhouse with this team this year than over you know, the last couple of years, or particularly last year. You know, and some people raise, you know, what if any role did Donaldson have in that? You know, I it's not a knock on Donaldson, but just sometimes teams aren't gelling. And so I, I think that I'm going to give Rocco the benefit of the doubt. I think it was inartful what, how they've said it. I think they should still adapt, but I think we should pump the brakes here and not blow it out of proportion if we're going to be reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's obviously much more complicated than you can even go into on Twitter. It's a very nuanced conversation. And I think the the plan with the 100 games thing, I think that's a floor. I think they'd love to have more than that. But the fact of the matter is, he's only played more than 100 games once in his career. So it's not a crazy thing to say, well, we hope he can play 100 games. Now, the question is, when did this plan develop? Because he's suffering, and we don't really know the extent of this knee and hip injury. The, my first thought was, well, put him on the IL. If he's not even available to pinch hit, put him on the IL for a couple weeks, let him get fully recuperated, and then bring him back when he's feeling closer to 100% or at 100%. The problem with that is we don't know if that's even possible this year because this may just be a chronic thing that he has to deal with throughout the rest of the season and then maybe get it cleaned up in the offseason. We don't know. So there's a lot of medical stuff. We don't know. That's one thing I do want to throw out there. But I will say this. The the idea that, uh, that Rocco said that we're not going to adjust the plan, if it was just that in isolation with Buxton, I'd be a little bit more forgiving. But this is kind of a constant theme that the Twins have run into where 
They have this plan, and not just the Twins, other very analytically driven teams, where they have this plan pregame. They say, this is our plan. We're sticking to it, whether that's with relief pitchers, whether that's, you know, with with a lineup construct, whatever, whatever it might be. Or, or we're going to have this starter face the lineup twice, and then we're going to take him out no matter how he's doing at any time. I think you saw that in the postseason against the Astros in the COVID year in 2020, when, and especially in game two, Jose Barrios was pitching the game of his life, and they took him out after five innings and 75 pitches because the pregame plan said, we don't want him to see the lineup a third time, and they didn't adjust based on the game. How I would approach it with Buxton, totally understand they have to give him pre-planned days off. They have to. It's their obligation to keep him healthy so that in September and hopefully October, he's able to play. They need, you said it correctly, uh, their record with Byron Buxton is vastly superior than without him. They, he makes a big, about as big a difference as any one single baseball player can make. So they need to try to keep him healthy. But what I would say if I'm Rocco to him is we're going to sit you out today, at least to start, but be ready. If it's a close game late, we're going to bring you into the game. We're going to pinch hit you. We're going to pinch run you. We, we might use you late, so just be prepared. And the idea that he can't get ready for a pinch hitting appearance late in the game is baloney, in my opinion. I think something you hit on that I think is really important is there are times where it feels like, what is Rocco's role? Yeah. You know, if, is it to be the manager of this team and make the in-game decisions? Or is it just everything's a plan that's been made out based on analytics and there is no really managerial role involved whatsoever? And that is, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be a mix. But it does feel like sometimes it is so analytically based that it is, you know, you plug it into a computer and whatever the computer spits out is what you do and it's not really... Rocco using his feel of the team and what's going on in the game and what he's seeing to make those decisions. That's not to minimize Rocco's ability and knowledge of the game. It's just, it's an observation of what it seems like sometimes and, and how, what he was quoted as saying in response to this reinforced that idea. I think he does more than that, but I do, I do agree with you that I think you can choose not to use Buxton there if you don't want to, because that's what you your feel of the game and you're putting trust in other players. And, you know, th that's the decision you make. Oh, if but he could have, he would have used I, Buxton. I, I, I know. <laughs> but, but the idea, you know, come out and say, you know what? I looked at the game. I looked at Byron's health. Yeah. I, I measured all these different things. I thought about it. And that's the decision I made. Yep. You can question it, but that's I, I'm paid to make those decisions. I like that quote, even if I disagree with the decision, a lot more than it was, we had a plan, we worked the plan, and well, that's what the deal well, is. Well, at least he was honest, because your prior quote would have been a complete lie, because no manager would look at that situation and say, I want Jose Miranda or Nick Gordon batting instead of Byron Buxton oh, I don't, in that situation. I, I, don't, I don't mean that in that situation, but what you that you somehow say, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, we got a young player in Jose Miranda, a uh, youngish player in Nick in um, Nick Gordon. That we're trying to give them confidence. We're trying to reinforce we believe in you. We're a better team if they if they start getting going. And so, am I willing to take the risk that they don't you know succeed in those at bats and we lose this game? It's one you know one game. Yes, it can make a difference ultimately in the end, but. I, that's more important to the juju in this clubhouse than me putting 
without a recovering Byron Buxton in this one at bat. Again, right. that's him knowing the clubhouse. That's him making a decision. There are other factors that go into it. Yes, you, of course, would rather have Byron batting there. Yeah. But that, to me, is a, like, I'm taking in all the factors into making a managerial decision that's best for this clubhouse and this team versus the answer he gave, which is, this is a mathematical equation that we worked out ahead of time, and we don't we don't stray from that. Well, it's, to, it's black and white. To your point... He may not have the freedom to actually, if he wanted to, use Byron Buxton. That that is a very real possibility. And that's what Falvey we never know. and Levine are very involved in lineup construction. Even when Rocco was hired, I remember them saying this is a partnership. So how much control Rocco actually has? If they've predetermined before the game, like Byron is not going to play today. This is May. We're not going to risk it. That's fine. I just think that's the wrong. The, the idea that it's a huge risk for Byron Buxton to get loose, to take one at bat. Sure, he might have to take more if, if the game extends or something like that. But the idea that he can't get loose, if he really, if they're really that concerned, that's when I go back to put him on the IL, let this thing, get him off his feet entirely for two weeks, like they did with Correa, by the way. Mm -hmm. They could have tried to have Correa play through the hand injury, but that would have been foolish at this point in the season because it's may let him heal hands can be a tricky thing let him heal let him feel back to 100 percent, and then but but also like we said we don't know if that's even possible with the current state of his knee whether two weeks on the il or even a month is going to allow him to feel back to the point where they can run him out there basically every day totally agree and you know we don't know the whole picture it's something to keep monitoring but you you mentioned um, Falvey and Levine. You know, another decision that they made recently that has been controversial is sending Royce Lewis back to AAA. Now, I know you have strong thoughts on this, but I do. What? Uh, how would you have handled this situation? Well, I, I think the talking about initial plans and how they have to be changed. The initial plan when Correa went on the IL, and thank the Lord that it wasn't broken that his finger wasn't broken because he would have been out probably two or more months um but once they found out it wasn't then they tried to avoid an il stint with him and brought royce up and you thought it wasn't going to be very many days before they just sent royce back down and had carlos come back in but then carlos went on the il for a short time and now he's back and, and as you said they sent lewis down the initial plan i think was to have lewis fill in at shortstop, and then go back down. I think what they did not expect was for him to look totally like he belonged, be one of their best hitters, make some outstanding plays at shortstop, and be, well, this part they knew, that he was going to be a very energetic, high-energy guy in the clubhouse. That everybody knew already. Anyone who spent a minute with Royce Lewis, and I've spent much longer than that, uh, knows that Royce Lewis has a gregarious personality and is just a pleasure to be around uh, every time you get the chance. So uh, he brought a lot of energy to that clubhouse. You could see it just if you were a, a casual fan watching a few innings every night, how much he, he enjoys playing the game. He plays it with a smile on his face and has tremendous passion um, and really energized his teammates. Uh, but I think the plan had to be changed. Based on his performance, I know it was like 11 games or something, but based on the way he was playing, I think they should have found a way to keep him up here. 
Now, what that looked like, I know he hadn't played other positions much in the minor leagues. Now, he did have some time in the Arizona Fall League in center field. Um, I think he had a little bit of time at third base as well, but he hadn't played for the past two years due to the COVID season in 2020 and then last year uh, recovering from the ACL surgery. So um, he's surprised everybody with how quickly he's gotten back into form. He had never played in AAA before this year, hit the ground running there, and then came up and did what he did in the big leagues in that very short stint. But I would have found a way to keep him uh, because he's helping them win games. And like you said, it's only one game a night, but these games matter. The Chicago White Sox, they're off to a little bit of a head start on them now because Chicago started off very injury-plagued, but they are starting to round into form a little bit. You want to keep them off your heels for as long as possible because I think this thing is going to tighten is going to tighten up. Chicago's too talented to pull away from them, and every win you can get matters. And he was, you could argue, behind Buxton and Correa, he might be their third best hitter right now. And the way he's playing now, Polanco's starting to round into form a little bit as well. But man, I mean, you take that bat out of the lineup. I think you could have found some at-bats for him at third base. I think, if necessary, Luis Arise had never played first base before. Now he's the everyday first baseman. Work in Royce at first base. Buxton needs his off days. Boom, perfect. Royce is in center field. Left field is an option. Uh, Kirilov and Larnick, neither of them are on the active roster right now. Trevor is hurt, and Kirilov is working on getting his wrist right at AAA. So... He had a good day yesterday. He did. He? So that's a, that's a he was four sign. for four with a home run. Um, so that yeah, if they can get Kirilov back up here and and playing the way he's capable of, that's that's huge as well with the power he possesses. But I think they had to find a way to keep Royce here, and I hope he's back up very shortly because they are a better team with Royce Lewis's bat and glove for that matter in the lineup. I agree with you in many ways. I mean the. There is no doubt that Royce Lewis is ready for the major leagues. He showed defensively he is. He showed with a bat he is. Miranda, I agree with you, is still going to be good, but he needs more time. You know, so when you look at all that, like it would have made more sense to send Miranda back. But he will. Be, but he will. That I don't think that was the decision because Miranda will go back. I think when Larnick comes back here very shortly. Agree. I, the one thing I will say is I, I think he didn't play much baseball there for a while with the injury. And I think what they do want to do is get him clearly the motivation is I hope it is not related to time and, and shenanigans with that. Um, I, I do think it, what it probably is and what, you know, indications seem to be is let's have him go down. Let's have him tear it up at triple a let's have him, get some, t some time and comfort playing these other positions. I'm hopeful that it's only for maybe a couple of weeks and then he's going to be back up to basically be that utility person that you play or that you mentioned. I think the twins have a great problem. Oh yeah. For the first time, they've got a number of young guys they've talked about for a while that are ready to come up and contribute, but they already have some solid major leaguers also contributing this. So, you know what? Lewis went down. Miranda's not doing so hot. Like, Urshela, all of a sudden, yeah. he's playing better. 
that's encouraging. He might be the gold glove leader at third base uh, right now. Uh, he is playing a spectacular third base. Not hitting much, but he's... Well, but his, his bat has come alive the coming. last couple of games, yeah. so that's been yeah. encouraging. I think the other thing is, it'd be one thing if you had a slouch in Correa at shortstop, but, like, he, you you can't justify not playing Correa no, at shortstop. No. So, like, there there's that. I, I think clearly what they're just going to try and get him ready to be able to put plug him into so many different spots when he's up here. But what I think is going to just be fascinating and what this debate has shown is they're going to have to trade some guys. I think come trade deadline, you know, I give him credit for the paddock, you know, trade. It, it's clearly not worked out with him getting injured and with Taylor Rogers. I mean, couldn't be happier for him just playing pitching out of his mind right now. Um, but they're going to need more arms for the bullpen. They still need I, – I, I, it's great to see Bundy doing so well, but he's not I, – I don't think we can expect that to no. continue. You know, Joe Ryan's been great. He probably is going to creep back down to earth a little bit, even though he's got good stuff. Sonny Gray, you know, is he going to hold up, you know, and pitch more than five innings? He, he did recently, so that's good. But, like, the combination of, you know, Urshela, Sanchez, we are – you know, Sano is probably done with the Twins – Kepler, maybe like you're going to have to find at bats for these guys when they're ready. Not all of them are going to work out. You know, if you know, the Kirilov and his wrists has been hanging out there, but we know that Royce Lewis will be back. Would I, do I think he can help the club now? Yes. But I do think that maybe long-term getting him a few more reps in these other positions could allow him to help the club more long-term and not put him in a position even though he's obviously talented and can step in pretty much anywhere to go and be in a position he's less comfortable with while also tr trying to keep that back going when you need to win those games. Yeah. I, I think, I think it, it is a good problem to have no question. And uh, hopefully he's back up here sooner rather than later. I, I do want to touch on, I, I do Mark Rosen mentioned something that I heard on KFAN recently and why he was very upset is he said, well, why didn't Lewis get more work in spring training at these other positions? Good and, and that, to me, was a very good point because you knew Carlos Correa is going to play shortstop virtually every day if healthy. And sure, Lewis is a shortstop by nature. And by the way, those people who said Royce Lewis wasn't a shortstop um, are already eating their words. Keith Law, most notably, who, when he said it in 2018, I called him out on Twitter justifiably so don't want to dunk on uh, anybody, but I was right. He is a shortstop. You've been saying that, that for a long time. Yeah, you have and, reason to tell that. And, and I'm not saying he doesn't have room to improve there. He does. He has, you know, he's not at Correa level yet, but he's a damn good shortstop, but most athletic shortstops have the, and he's a great athlete. So he can play these other positions. Why didn't you get him a little bit of time in spring training, working on these other positions when the games don't matter because I do get some people's concern about saying, well, he's never played left field and to throw him out there for a big league game, it's not as easy as it sounds. Okay, I do get that. But I also tend to think the other way because he's such a good athlete, he'd figure it out very quickly and be more than acceptable really anywhere you put him aside from catcher. <laughs> so, and they're not doing that. So, but the last point on the twins that you, you kind of touched on, um, and this would be my concern moving forward. The bullpen's pitched pretty well. Emilio Pagan has really rounded into form nicely. His command was a little off, 
at first, but he's added some new pitches to his repertoire. I heard him saying the other day, he's his command has never been a problem in his career. He's throwing the ball very well. Johan Duran is an absolute beast with his ability to throw the hell out of the baseball. 102, 103 with that splinker. Uh, he is probably your closer uh, by the end of the year, I think. And Pagan moves more into into a setup role. Even Tyler Duffy, who I was thinking was looking toast, like, like he was done early on, has, has turned things around, even though his velo's down substantially from a few years ago. He's come into his own a little bit. And, uh, and you know, Griffin Jacks has been a great arm for them. Uh, a starter in his minor league career, know him well, uh, first, first Air Force Academy grad uh, to make it to the big leagues, actually. So uh, he, uh, he's not intimidated. He's jumped out of planes many times, uh, hundreds of times, by the way, um, in, his, in his Air Force training. So uh, Griffin is a great guy, and uh, he's, he's found a role for himself in the, in the back end of that bullpen, throwing that slider and his velocity as many times as the case with starters moving into a relief role. His velocity has gone from about 92 average on his fastball to about 95. So he's throwing the ball harder out of the bullpen in, in shorter stints. I don't think the bullpen is my main concern, but the starting rotation is a big, big concern. They've been pretty good, but they have not thrown very many innings in compare. They've thrown around the lowest number of innings. So you don't want to burn out that bullpen. And then talking about injury possibilities. You've already seen Sonny Gray on the IL. He's spent a lot of time there the last few years. Dylan Bundy has spent a lot of time there and really never lived up to top five draft pick status that he was. Uh, he was a top five pick by the Baltimore Orioles way back. Um, Bailey Ober has been very hurt uh, in his minor league career. It, when he's been on the field, his numbers have been phenomenal. Take a look at his minor league numbers when you get a chance sometime. They're like mind boggling. Um, Maeda obviously has been Maeda's, Maeda's, out for a long time. Maeda's out. Uh, Joe Ryan hasn't had injury concerns, but here, here's my thing. They either have injury concerns or they're really young and may have innings limits that we don't even know what they are. Like at some point, Joe Ryan may just be skipped in the rotation because they don't want him to run out of innings by the end of the year. And you Same just, with over. And you've Same just lost with, your contingency plan with Paddock going down. Yeah, so, you know. and Paddock, yeah. And Paddock was a good young arm who had had some experience. He's only like, what, 25? And the Twins have him for a couple more years. So we'll see how that trade ends up working out. And it's nice they have Pagan. But obviously, year one, that's not what they were expecting out of Chris Paddock. To your, to your point, the Twins are doing what the Twins tend to do. Um, every once in a while, it works. More uh, maybe eight out of ten times it doesn't, which is bring in guys that have had some good stuff and potential, maybe are a little bit washed up and think you can, you know, make them work. Bundy, Chris Archer, Paddock. That's another one. Chris Archer has barely pitched the last two, three years. Yeah. And so, has not looked great lately and has gone, what, at most four innings for you? Yeah. So, so these are this is the the whole back of your starting rotation. But if you assume that Ober, Ryan, and Gray are healthy and good, which is yeah, there there's an assumption being made there. Your four, five, sixth starters there are people that maybe they give you two good months, 
but after that they could they could really take a nosedive or they get injured as we've already seen so like you and that's if those first two three are okay and obviously you you know your number one guy that you otherwise would have and my hit has been you know is out for the year so you i'm with you that there are innings concerns there are injury concerns there are longevity and success concerns with those starters and i i think that there's no doubt they're going to have to move a major league starter in order to a position player. position player in order to get back a number 1 number 2 starter if assuming that they can continue this and they're in the playoff hunt uh to to be competitive to try and break the losing streak in the playoffs to make the the team better um you know and and it's going to be someone that we're not we people will might be bummed about you know but it is they're going to have to move at least one guy in order to fix that issue and make them sustainable and they might have to make that move before the trade deadline it might have to be you know do you get into june and 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 see if you can pull that trigger but it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do they at least there's it feels like they have options where they previously didn't um you know and i'm also just happy well appreciate all his power i'm glad that we're moving on from the miguel sano um project <laughs> it just you knew even going in you know i i was i thought we had to move on from the max kepler project too but he thankfully has shown that there's still some you know gas left in the tank there uh i, I still think you probably need to trade him while while his value is high um but i don't still, know that his value is that high they they the idea of trading um, a, a regular, I'm not against that, but I, it could just be you need to trade some top prospects uh, depending on who you're trading with. I mean, they, they may not demand. You, if you trade with the Cincinnati Reds, they're not going to demand a big league regular necessarily right now. I mean, they might want one, but they want they want young pieces. So it depends what, the, what, what kind of team you're trading. But I think the difference now is, I, and I'm not throwing this out here, but like, there could be a team not named the athletics or reds that out of nowhere, you know, is not competitive that has, we're talking a clear number one that you might be able to say now they have the ability to say, we will trade a, I'm making this up. I'm not advocating for this. <laughs> we will trade a Kepler and a Kirilov for a number one start. You are getting two major league capable starters back. For a number one ace, you know, they have the ability to do something like that, which a lot of teams are not going to have the ability to do to give you an everyday player now that is solid, but not all star caliber with a prospect that has the ability to potentially be an all star player. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're seeing the, the fruits of the minor leagues start to start to arrive. I think you're going to see more and more. I mean, you already saw Josh Winder come up. He's been pretty solid uh, for them. Jordan Belazovic name to watch i've mentioned it many times just got to triple a and uh and is pitching for the saint paul saints right now uh hey weather's nice go go watch the saint paul saints uh you can do it uh they uh you know you can get tickets uh for a fair price there and uh i I'm, i'm not being paid to say this this is just a psa if you live near that side of town, uh, it's a great experience, and their games are usually sold out. So um, it's uh, it's a really fun time. We are going to get 
briefly into the Minnesota Vikings before we have to call it a day. And uh, we haven't talked about the draft yet. Matt and I have talked a lot about it off the air, uh, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast because of our long hiatus. So uh, we'll talk about it now briefly. Of course, the big name was Lewis Seen after the Vikings traded down 20 spots uh, in that big trade with the Detroit Lions. They also traded with the Green Bay Packers. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa does it his way. He does not care about division trades. He wants that value. And uh, there were some questions about the return in the Lions deal. Not as much in the Packers deal. People thought that was a really big hit for him. I am most pumped about Lewis Seen. Um, and I mean, Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth both have the ability to transform the Vikings secondary. And then I like some of the guys they got on day three. I think Jalen Naylor was uh, a guy that got overlooked because he's not the most the, the biggest guy, but he's fast. And I think that running back from North Carolina, Ty Chandler, can be a a got a weapon on third down with his 4-3 speed. And uh, Kevin O'Connell has some weapons offensively. Ed Ingram could challenge for the starting guard spot. So I think they did a good job, but I'm most excited about Lewis Seen. I mean, if you haven't heard him interviewed, just listen to the interview he did with PA and and, and Chad Greenway and uh, Paul Charchian the day after the draft. PA said it was the most impressive first-round rookie he's ever talked to. After a, a day after the draft, and uh, Seen was the linchpin of the best defense in the country in the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna hit people very hard. He's fast. He's got a great great attitude. So uh, that's my quick recap. I know you wanted your boy Kyle Hamilton when he was there sitting there at twelve. The Vikings elected to go the other way though. I you know I also want to add I do like some of the developmental prospects that they got. You know a Caleb Evans. Yeah, I, I think that. There's a lot there and could develop Long into arms. A, yeah, could develop into a nice cornerback for them. So I mean, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. My biggest complaint is the value back in that first trade. I think that if you could have, you know, kept the what, the 76th pick that, you know, um, it would have, or I'm, I'm getting this confused. It's been enough time. They traded remember. their second rounder yes, in the I'm deal sorry. and got back Detroit. Yeah. So they moved down like 20, 20 spots yeah. in the first and moved up like 12 spots in the second. But then they, they moved around in the second as well. Traded yes. back, then moved back up for Booth. They had the most trades of anyone. Yeah. It all blends together. Baby brain. Um, what I, I, if they could have kept the second and given up the third instead, I would have felt better about this. It felt like we didn't get enough back for that deal. That was my actually, in hindsight, my biggest complaint. I think, well, while I think Kyle Hamilton, having watched every single play that he made uh, at Notre Dame, is a can't miss prospect, and I think has the potential and the talent and the leadership skills to be a future Hall of Famer. I would have loved to have seen him as the bridge with Harrison Smith. I think you could have played him next to him and he would, would have started and been an upgrade. And I think then he could have taken over Harrison Smith's spot eventually. Um, I, I liked that idea. I think he's an A player. I think Lucine is going to be a very good player and could be a pro bowler. And while I don't agree with it, I think what Quazy said is we have enough positions of need with a team that can compete now. I will take 
two B-plus players filling two holes, which is what he did essentially with Scene and Andrew Booth, rather than take one A player. Now, that's an oversimplification of what it is, but I think uh, that's how I'm processing that. And I would have taken the slam dunk player, but I, I don't disagree with some of the merits and arguments of what he went with ultimately. And the idea, and I, what I will say is I love his idea of saying, and it might vary from draft to draft, but saying I value second and third picks. I think that is in this draft. That's maybe how it is. It's not a sweet spot in this draft. Yeah. But I think generally it, as a philosophy, more second and thirds versus just relying on first where you're going to have some misses. I, I, I take generally, I think it's a good philosophy. I just think we passed on the one guy you can't miss on uh, this in this case, but I, and I like that better and it's way better. You know, all of his trades felt more productive than the trades that Spielman made in, you know, late round, you know, collecting seventh routers and all that. So philosophically, I like what they did. I like a lot of the players they got, um, you know, the, uh, the positions of need they fill, I feel like there was, there just was something left to be desired with the value they got back with the Detroit trade. And I, and I squirm missing out on a top talent, um, potential hall of fame talent in Kyle Hamilton. But overall, you know, I give them, you know, a B B plus for a grade. I think there's a lot there. I still want them to try and make a move here on the offensive line. I, 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 if, you know, if they can make the salary cap work, I, I, I know he knows him, but like the idea that Treader's sitting out there and you can't go in and get him and have him fill in and, and, you know, and have Bradbury as backup, that just seems too appealing to miss out on and, yeah. and too big of a hole. But you know what? I'm trusting the process. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting what Quazi's trying to do. And I will say the videos they put out showing what they did with the draft, oh. pretty, pretty sick. And it gave and you so well done, very well done. Gave you a lot of insight into how they're thinking, how they're working. And we never had that under Spielman and Zimmer, other than the video of them laughing when the Eagles. That was picked, a pretty epic video. Tricked Rager Ray, <laughs> over uh, our boy. Uh, so that, you know, other than that, you know, there there's a lot that feels refreshing and new. And I do think that this regime is going to get the team back to the playoffs next year, that they're doing enough and they're bringing enough energy and difference that I feel good about that possibility. Yeah, they were close enough to the playoffs last year. Obviously should have made it with all the close losses that they had. Um, they, they blew that themselves. But th- this team doesn't need much to get back to the postseason. The question is, can they win the division? And that's that's another that's going to be another tall order, obviously, with the Green Bay Packers. That's, uh, that's very exciting. We'll get a good gauge week one with that schedule uh, coming out. But... Uh, Week one against the Green Bay Packers, U.S. Bank Stadium is going to be very exciting. Just just keep in mind the difference. 2020, we opened with the Green Bay Packers at U.S. Bank Stadium, and there were no fans there. This time, you're going to have a rowdy U.S. Bank Stadium, and uh, and that's going to be awesome. I, I the, the last thing I was going to say was, um, yeah, that draft video, it seemed like they wanted Lewis Seen the entire time. When they traded back, they wanted Lewis seen. And the other thing I was going to say is you did have the number 12 pick. So it's a fair criticism to say you don't get the number 12 pick. Hopefully that often you don't get to draft that high. 
maybe you take a blue chip guy there, but if they thought there wasn't much difference between 12 and 32, then accumulate the other picks, get Lewis seen. And it seemed like they could have had Hamilton. They decided to take Lewis seen. And also it wasn't necessarily just Hamilton that they would have taken at 12. They might've taken Jamison Williams, who the lions took. And we're going to see two times a year. We're going to see the receiver, the Pat, the Packers took uh, Watkins from North Dakota state. We're going to see him. So we're going to see right away how these, you know, those receivers are going to be talked about as guys the Vikings could have had, but chose not to take uh, for, for whatever reason. Also a guy I really liked and I'm scared when we play the Eagles, Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis is a beast. I know we have Harrison Phillips, but Jordan Davis, if he lives up to his potential could be a total game changer in the middle of that Philadelphia Eagles line. And they had a very nice night, I think uh, getting AJ Brown, uh, with, with their, they had accumulated some first round picks. So they got AJ Brown and they got Jordan Davis as well. Uh, good night for them. Good night for the Detroit lions with Hutchinson, just falling into their laps. Jamison Williams as well. They had a very, uh, nice draft. And then the jets, everybody thought did well. Some, uh, some, so, re, some rebuilding teams yeah. that did well. The, the jets, uh, I thought Houston actually did pretty well. Uh, I think Baltimore, crushed out of the park you know which is typical of them because their their mo is take the best player available and so that you know and they did that and they had a lot of good players fall into their laps you know and and i think that that's how they retool and have success uh you know right away they got the d end from minnesota right Uh, boy mafe i think they got boy mafe the vikings also got a d end from minnesota whose name i cannot pronounce and will not try to now i i need to consult the pronunciation guide for that but they're very excited about that kid as as well a lot of potential so um it's very exciting even in april we're talking about the nfl um as they want us to be year round so uh any final thoughts on uh on that draft you know what it was exciting to have a new regime i look forward to seeing how it plays out we're not going to know for a few years but i i think that they're they did bring a new approach new energy um, and it's going to be so fun to see how it plays out. And I think that they're going to be a better, more competitive team uh, this year and maybe win some more of those close games, have yeah. them go their way, which I think um, will be exciting for Vikings fans. And I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a really good year. Right. I guess I guess I'll just quickly say to, you know, you dunking on Keith Law. Let me just quickly dunk on all the people that wanted us to draft Malik Willis at number 12. <laughs> you know, I don't care. Even if he turns out to be, you know, number one talent, you know, nobody thought future, he was a first. No round one pick. thought he was a first round pick. No. We were saying that that was moronic. Like, thank God we didn't do that. Uh, I also think I'm going to be proven right uh, that our uh, drafting of uh, Kellen Mond uh, was not the right call <laughs> either. Going might forward, be. we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, the reality is all of this is, a crapshoot until you see it uh, play out. But. And and now we know, I mentioned this earlier, last thing, we know when the games are going to be, that first one against the Green Bay Packers on September 11th um, at, uh, it's a late afternoon game, I think, 325. So that'll give the people some time to uh, get prepared, if you know what I mean, uh, for that game. And also some really exciting games. Week four in London, no bye afterwards, although some might say, Week five against the Chicago Bears at home might be a buy. Um, but then, I mean, you have Thanksgiving night at U.S. Bank Stadium in primetime against Belichick. That's going to be fantastic. You have Christmas Eve at home against the New York Giants. 
And then you also have you a, get to you get to go back to playing our old buddy uh, Stefan Diggs. Yes, uh, Buffalo. That, that will be exciting. And then you have the Green Bay Packers on on New Year's Eve or New Year's or New Year's Day, I think, at Lambeau Field. Yep, New Year's Day at Lambeau Field. So you have some cold weather games uh, late, but that. I think that Thanksgiving night game against the Patriots will be really fun. You have a 325 game against Dallas. So some awesome home games. And then first road game, oh, just in Philly, Monday night football. That won't be a hostile atmosphere at all. You know, it, it's, it also it's worked out fun. really well the last time we played uh, at Philadelphia, yes. right? No, we or did. Or was it two times ago? We that played was... there once since the debacle. There we go. Uh, <laughs> since the debacle, uh, we did, I think, win there. But uh, But, yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll be a better result in Philly than that uh, horrible NFC title game. The last thing I'll just say with the schedule is I um, really hope we have a playoff spot locked up when we beat the Giants on Christmas Eve, because it is every Vikings fans nightmare to, you know, play the Packers the second to last game and then end once again at Soldier Field. Playing the Bears with well, a potential. We don't end at Soldier very often. This no, time we do, but normally it's home. Normally it's home, yeah. but just that playing the Bears, even worse at Soldier Field with yeah. a playoff spot on the line, just is not the scenario any of us want because we've seen this video before. And it's going to be a Bears team that, let's be honest, they're going to be out of the race. Mm. They're going to have nothing to play for, potentially except ruining the Vikings' season. So you could have a situation where. They actually have no pressure, and uh, that could be a bad situation. So I agree with you. Let's lock that. Let's lock that up. Let's lock up the division, frankly, so we don't have to go to Lambo and play for the division. Although that would be a lot of fun as well. That'll do it for this week. For Matt Galvan, I'm Marshall Kellner. We'll talk to you uh, a bit sooner uh, than than our big gap between last show and this show. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.